I hope today, um, so I've been following along, tracking along um, some of what we've been talking about, and even last week, uh, this is going to tie in a little bit more, uh, but this is uh, the Christmas story we're going to look at, maybe in a little bit different way um, than what you're used to. Um, a lot of times we just read the story. Uh, you know, Jesus, he said that uh, your tradition has made the word of no effect. That's a big deal. Like the word of God can have no effect on somebody. It can because it says their tradition, they upheld their tradition. And so I'm not saying I'm against anything in our traditions. Like you come around my house, we're going to have the lights. We've been playing Christmas music since October. Uh, it's uh, it's because uh, Eli, he's been, uh, he couldn't wait for 98.3 to start their Christmas music. So he had to start his own. Um, and so we, um, we celebrated it all, right? And so, but in the same token, if we just read the Christmas story as just, oh, it's just a story, um, and then we put all our tradition in it, we'll miss some of these things that are actually happening in the story. These are real people. This is really happening. And so we need to get into the, into the mess of it all so that we understand what's going on. Um, and so we don't want to take the word of God and take it to no effect. So Luke chapter one, beginning in verse eight, um, we're looking at Zechariah first. And it said, one day Zechariah's priestly order was on duty. He was serving as priest and he was chosen by the casting of lots according to the custom of priesthood. So the honor fell upon Zechariah to enter the holy place and burn incense before the Lord. A large crowd of worshipers had gathered to pray outside the temple at the hour when incense was being offered. All at once an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing just to the right of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was startled and overwhelmed with fear. But the angel reassured him saying, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God is showing grace to you, for I have come to tell you that your prayer for a child has been answered. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to name him John. First of all, in this passage, whenever, if we're just reading through it again, letting tradition, and we're going to miss some key points. One of the things is you're going to recognize is that did Zechariah still believe that they were going to be pregnant? He's going to argue in just a minute, so he did not believe it, right? But what did the angel say? Your prayer has been what? The prayer you no longer pray stays before the Lord even though you stopped believing for it. Now let that sink in. Let that hit. Let that hit here. The prayer you Pray before the Lord, stays before the Lord, even though you stopped believing for it. And so what does Zechariah do? He demands proof. We already learned what we've been walking through. What did the Israelite people do? They wanted to test God instead of being tested, right? It's not what you need to do. It says, his birth will bring you much glory. Verse 14, much joy and gladness. Many will rejoice because of him, and he will be one of the great ones in the sight of God. He will drink no wine or strong drink, but he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even while still in his mother's womb. And he will persuade many in Israel to convert and turn back to the Lord their God. He will go before the Lord as a forerunner with the same power and anointing as Elijah the prophet. This is talking about John the Baptist. He will be instrumental in turning the hearts of the fathers in tenderness back to their children and the hearts of disobedience back to the wisdom of their righteous fathers. And he will prepare a united people who are ready for the Lord's appearing. Zechariah asked the angel, how do you expect me to what? Believe this. 
How do you expect me to believe this? Had he prayed this prayer before? Yes, but he had stopped what? Believing it, right? So he's like, how are you going to expect me to believe this now when it doesn't seem possible now? I am old. How is this going to even happen, right? I'm an old man. My wife is too old. He throwed his wife just straight up under that butt, did he? Like, he's like, I'm old, but she's too old, right? I might can still get it. She ain't making it, right? She's too old to give me a child. What sign can you give me to prove this will happen? He wants what? Proof. Show me. Show me the money, right? Show me the proof. I need proof. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. That's your proof, boy. I'm here. Like, <laughs> like, what else I had to say? I'm Gabriel. Like, who, what do you think you're talking to? Right? I'm Gabriel. I stand beside God himself. He has sent me to announce to you this good news. But now, <laughs> since you did not believe my words, you will be stricken silent and unable to speak until the day my words have been fulfilled at their appointed time and a child is born to you. That will be your sign. Here's your sign. You want one? Close your mouth. <laughs> Close your mouth or you mess up what we've been trying to do this whole time. Because at this point, Zachariah's got to understand that for 4,000 years, prophecies have been spoken. Right? For 4,000 years, God has been trying to get his people to line up with his word so that this moment could happen. And I don't need you to mess it up, Zachariah. Close your mouth. Right? Like, that's what's happening here. We've got to understand that there's power. There's um, life and death and the power of the tongue, right? So then let's go over just over a few verses to verse 26 and look at Mary's encounter. During the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God's presence, same angel, to an unmarried girl named Mary living in Nazareth, a village in Galilee. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, a true descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Rejoice! Beloved young woman, for the Lord is with you, and you are anointed with great favor. Mary was deeply troubled over the words of the angel and bewildered over what this meant for her. You've got to remember, at this point, it's been 400 years of silence. Now, personally, I don't believe that God was silent. I believe that the people quit listening. Right? What did he say? You people... Have, your traditions have made the word of God to no effect, right? They've calloused their hearts. They've quit listening, right? God's been speaking since, let there be light. And his word's been going forth, right? So they stopped listening. For 400 years, they call it 400 years of silence. But the angels reassured her saying, do not, key word, what was it? Yield to fear. What did we look at last week? What was the word we use? The Greek word was kenosis that we looked at last week, and it is yielding. So you can yield to either word. Right? From the very beginning, Adam and Eve yielded to the wrong word. Here he's like, don't yield to fear. Like, I'm giving you this opportunity, right? Not going to make you do this, but I'm asking you, don't yield, don't line up with fear, because that's going to cast it out, Right? 
So he says, do not yield to your fear, Mary, for the Lord has found delight in you. Perfect love cast out what? All fear. Mary, for the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. You will become pregnant with a baby boy and you are to name him Jesus. He will be supreme and will be known as the son of the highest. And the Lord God will enthrone him as king on the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign as king of Israel forever and his reign will have no limit. Mary said, but how could this happen? I'm still a virgin. Now, before what happened with Zechariah, he says, First, he has the same question, like, how is this going to happen? But then, Zechariah does what? He, he says, before this is going to happen, I'm going to have to have proof, right? Mary's just asking, explain yourself. She's not saying, if I don't have proof, it ain't going to happen, right? She's just asking for a little clarity. Gabriel answered, the spirit of, this is how it's going to happen, Mary, the spirit of holiness will fall upon you and almighty God will spread his shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory. Where did we see where the shadow was over the water in the deep? In the very beginning, right? The word was in the beginning, right? And it, it hovered over the waters as a man hovers over his wife in intimacy is what that term means there. And it gave birth to the earth and it gave birth here. He's hovering in that same way and he's speaking over you. What did, how did he create all of creation? With his what? With his word, right? What's he going to do here? Overshadow her. And release his word, which is the rhema word, the seed of God. And he says, it will over you in a cloud of glory. This is why the child born to you will be holy and he will be called the son of God. What's more, your aged aunt Elizabeth has also become pregnant with a son. The barren one now is in her sixth month. Not one promise from God is empty of power. Nothing is impossible with God. Amen. We've talked about this many, many times. Nothing is impossible with God. And I just want to re remind you, in case you forgot, that word, no thing there, nothing, no thing means no rhema. And Bill Johnson always said that he was taught by Jack Taylor, and Jack Taylor said this, there's no freshly spoken word of God that will ever come to you that does not contain its own power or ability to perform itself. Meaning, everything that is needed is in that seed. That's good stuff, right? That's huge because everything... All for 4,000 years, every prophecy, the Word, John 1, 1, the Word was with God, the Word was God. When? From the very beginning, before they ever said, let there be light. And that Word, Jesus himself, in seed form, is being implanted into Mary for all time. Right? Every Word. James 1, 21, go with me. I want to show the importance of this seed and this Word and how this operates in our lives. So James chapter 1, verse 21. So this is why we abandon everything morally impure in all forms of wicked conduct. Instead, with sensitive spirit, we absorb God's word, which has been implanted within our nature. For the word of life has power to how long? 
continually deliver us. Continually, right? The power is in the seed. The seed was released into Mary, right? She believed, she conceived, received it, comes to life. Nine months later, right? We're not talking about she got that word and then the next day, hey, Jesus, how you doing? No, she had to conceive it, right? What did we look at last week with yielding? What happens with the seed for it to even germinate, right? It can lay sitting there dormant until it germinates when all the things come together, whenever it's the right temperature, when it's the right uh, soil, whenever it's in that place, and then that germination happens in that hole around that seed, that part dies. What are we called to do every day? Die to self, that outer shell. Die to that so that the inner man can what? Rise up. Live. Everything has been placed inside of you that you need for life and for godliness in seed form, just like we've talked about many times with the acorn, right? So he says here, um, with humility, receive the word implanted. The humility, remember, Mark chapter 4, we've said it many times, Mark chapter 4 says, if you don't get this, Jesus says, you won't get anything to do with the kingdom. You, like, you won't understand kingdom principles at all if you don't get Mark chapter 4, which is the parable of the seed and sower, right? And so in that seed and that sower, he talks about conditions of the heart. There was a stony heart that could not what? The seed could not penetrate it just like bounces off, right? But the one that had good soil, what happened with that seed? It went on the inside, and then as that seed took place, it germinated, and life happened, right? Now, there's sometimes that it says there's a quick there's a quick release, and then we don't see nothing happen, no more fruit with them people. Why? Because the cares of this world snatch it out. So we have to be careful that we do what? Meditate on the Word. Stay in the Word. Meditate with Him. Be intimate with Him. Jesus says, unless you abide connection, right? It's not that he leaves. We like to walk away, right? Since the beginning, we've always liked to walk away. That's our view, right? God had never left, right? So he is asking us to stay in connection, intimacy with him, because in that place, you won't have to strive or try to do what's right or do what's wrong. It just happens. It's your fruit because you're connected to the vine, right? So Humility here, he says, with humility, do what? Receive the word implanted. Don't you see Mary doing that? She has to humble herself. She has to be like, he just called me beloved. He called me favorite. He called me all these things. Who am I? I'm just a little teenage girl. Like, this is crazy. But she had to be in humility, say, I receive it. Because if you keep reading in that story that we just read, it says that then she says, amen, so let it be. Word that you have spoken, let it be. What's she saying? I'm yielding, I'm giving myself over to this seed to be implanted in me so it'll grow, right? So James 1.21, with humility, that's the soil, that's the heart, seed, God's DNA, implanted that seed to you so it says that he may save your souls. And that word save, if you really study it, means a continuation. It means you have been saved, 
You are saved and you will be saved. What does that mean? It's a continuation. That's why Paul says, yeah, you're saved, but every day work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What's happening? Every day. Every day. More and more like who? Christ. As we lay it down, we lay it down. He just continues to shine brighter and brighter out of us. Right? So Mary, it says, she treasured these things in her heart. And that's the evidence that is found what comes out of our mouth. When we treasure in our heart, the Bible says, whatever we treasure in our heart, what's going to happen with our mouth? It's coming out. So if you want to know, you want to get a real gut check, so to speak, you want to get a heart check, notice what's coming out of your mouth. Because the things that are coming out of my mouth, here's the thing, if the Bible says in Proverbs to guard your heart above all things. So if I'm guarding my heart above all things, I'm not having to check my mouth. You see that? Like people say, well, watch what you say. Be careful what you're saying. I don't have to be careful what I'm saying if I'm guarding my heart. Because out of the overflow of my heart, my mouth speaks. Right? And so here he's saying treasure those things in your heart. Watch your heart, right? Because here's the thing. We can get that seed, and the Bible says in Mark chapter 4 that we can allow the cares of this world to snatch the seed from us. You can get that seed today, right? Sitting under this teaching, you can get seeds. There's seeds being, being sent out this whole time that we're sitting here. Why? Because I'm reading to you the very Word of God. And the seed of God is being released, right? And you have a moment in time to say, I'm going to receive that seed, or I'm going to reject that seed. Or I'm going to receive it enough to get me out that door. But then I'm not going to meditate on that seed. And the cares of this life come and they do what? Snatch it out. Right? Here's the thing. We Christians, we believe that there should be not abortion. Right? We'll stand on it and we'll say, no, 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 no. Like I've heard all the arguments. Right? And we'll say, it doesn't matter. Like, the woman's finna die, the baby's gonna die, somebody's finna die, so let the woman have the choice, right? And we say, no, 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 it doesn't matter. Just, we don't want abortion. We use all those examples, right? Agree? And that's the Christian argument. But yet we abort the seed of the Word of God every single day. We'll say, well, I don't see it anymore. Just like Zechariah, we prayed that prayer, believing in our heart, because everything we thought was right in the circumstance, and we thought, yes, everything's lining up. I'm a good, strong buck right now. Me and her, we finna have this baby. And then, they don't. And age sets in, and he done forgot about that prayer. Why? Because his circumstances, he thought, don't line up with it. He wasn't worried about what's happening in the spiritual realm and what's lining up in the spiritual realm. He was only worried about what he saw in the natural. And when we do that, we abort the seeds that have been implanted into us. There have been things that have been spoken out loud, not just the Word of God, but there's prophecies that have been spoken over people in this room. Prophecies have been spoken over me, right? And if we abort those things just because we don't see it the way we thought we were going to see it, we abort that seed. 
And we have to hold on to the promises of God, meditating on them, no matter how long it's going to take. So there are spiritual laws, and we have to understand there are spiritual laws that God set up since the very beginning of time. One spiritual law is this. It is released with the mouth. At the very beginning, in Genesis, whenever God spoke, he spoke the creations into existence. He said, let there be light. And there was light. And it's been going forth ever since. It's never stopped because God's word doesn't stop, right? And so it went forth. And then he builds this whole thing out, right? We'll even get to Adam. And some people want to do this cutesy little art stuff and say, well, God took his hands and he formed and he took the dirt and he did all this fancy little stuff. And it's cute. It's a cute little story. But the fact of the matter is he spoke Adam into existence just like he did the rest of it because he always speaks and he breathed life, it says, into his nostrils and he comes alive, right? He speaks and it happens. What did he do with us? He gave us that same authority here on this earth. And he says, I created you in my image. This is the law, a spiritual law of how this operates. Release it. Satan knows that, so he has no authority. And what did we do? We believed the light. We did what? We yielded to his seed. We yielded to that seed. And as we inhabited and yielded that seed, we believed in our heart. And confess with our mouth the lie. And it produced sin. What's he wanting you to do, asking you to do? Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. And we brought that thing down to some kind of, say this simple prayer, we believe you got born again. Just because you repeat some words doesn't mean anything. It's not hocus pocus, it's not some magic phrase. It's what you really believe is what's going to come out your mouth. You see what I'm saying? That's a huge difference. It's saying a prayer or some words so that you can say the magic potion to say, okay, now my name's written down in the land book of life. I ain't got to worry about all that hell stuff. That's not what it's about. Like, that's not it. Like, and you can do all that and think you got some fire insurance and you can still be living like hell every day. Because it's not conceived. You don't believe. Right? So whatever you believe is going to come out of your mouth. So what happens was we gave that to the enemy. We believed the lie, which was a different word. And we released it here on the earth. So God created these laws. And God doesn't go against his own laws that he created. Right? We say, well, God's sovereign. He's sovereign if you use the right definition of sovereignty. Even Webster's definition, definition of sovereignty is correct. But we, since Calvin, have changed that sovereignty to mean he's in control, like we're just puppets on a string. You were not puppets on a string. He will not go against the laws that he has established. So what did he do for 4,000 years? He needed people to line up with what the word that he was saying. And so what did Paul say? We understand in part, we prophesy in part. So a little bit here, a little bit there, and it started lining up. And we get all the way 4,000 years later, and this, this seed of all that word that has been prophesied up to this moment, seed form in her belly. Like, if you can't see that, that, that should just rock your world because it should propel your vision to see that this is how God's kingdom operates. 
And this is how the promises of God today still work. You understand? Like, this is how the kingdom operates. And we try to go in every other direction. We want to come around the backside and this side and every side, but just believe. Remember this rest thing we've been talking about? <laughs> just believe. <laughs> because whenever you believe, it's going to line up with what's going to come out of your mouth. And what comes out of your mouth is going to release into the atmosphere what is really supposed to be happening. Heaven invading earth. Right? It's the same thing happening today. 2 Peter 3.12. not going to go there, but 2 Peter 3.12. You can write that down and go study it yourself. But it says, we can, to this day, there is a last coming of Christ. Right? I don't like to say say coming because I believe he's coming in all kinds of forms and fashions. I believe, I believe he came. I believe he's in us. I believe he come to live and reside in me. I believe he's in this room. He comes to live in this room. I believe he is everywhere. Right? And I also believe that the Bible says there is a last coming when all things are going to come together in this beautiful bride and groom ceremony of the wedding feast. And it's going to be awesome. Right? Second Peter says we can speed that day up. When you understand what we've been talking about up to this point, you can see that. Did it have to take 4,000 years? No, that's how long it took for what? For the people to come along with God's message to release it on this earth, right? And we can sit back and we can just say, well, I, God done said my prayer, so I just got to sit here until I go to heaven. He's coming one day. I can sit back and do nothing. You have a responsibility we have responsibility. We are to bring heaven to earth. He says, I gave it back to you. I come, I took it back from the enemy, gave it back to you. Matthew 28, Great Commission, and I and released authority. What? Back to us. To do what? Bring heaven to earth. To make it look like it's supposed to be from the very beginning. To be his hands and feet. To be his co-labors. That we are the ambassadors, he says. To bring it here. And you can speed that up. Or you can slow it down. One thing about it is, his main will, God's main will, is going to happen. Because he already spoke it, that one day it's going to happen like this. That at the end of all this, that last coming, and it's going to be a culmination of all things. What he did not say is, how long? Didn't they ask that question? Well, how long is it going to take? When's it going to happen? He says, only the Father knows. Why? Because it's up to us if we're going to bring it or not. So we can sit back, hang out, sing kumbaya, have nice little church services, grow kingdoms all over on every street corner, have the nicest churches, and still not bring kingdom. What I'm talking about is not a Sunday thing. I'm talking about a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday lifestyle. Not talking about a lifestyle to get you to be a good deacon, not to smoke, cuss, and drink. I'm trying to get you into a relationship that's going to bring kingdom here on the earth. That's a huge difference. That's a huge difference.
So what happens? She yielded. What did we talk about last week? Yielding. She yielded. She received. When she received, she conceived. What happened with that seed? It germinated, right? And released in her. So let it be, she said. When we say amen, do you know what the word amen is? So be it. Meaning whenever you say amen, you're saying deep down inside, I'm yielding to this, right? So often we'll go in and we'll pray with God and we still feel the same that whenever we came out, what happened? All we did was go in and complain. We did not go in and pray. If we go in and we pray, we release it and we know and in confidence that it will be established here on this earth, right? Yielded. Amen. So let it be. What did he say? In Jesus, Paul says, in Christ, all the promises of God are what? Yes and so be it. Because he is the word. Right? So I'm praying over Ezra last night. Like all of a sudden we're about to eat supper. And all of a sudden he just seemed like it's like a balloon deflated. He just started doing this. After his first bite. And I was like, what's wrong with you? We all just stopped, looked at, y'all right? And he's just like, I just feel like I need to lay down. And I was like, so at school, we have 430 students at school. By Wednesday, we had 50 out. And then Friday, I had 70 out. And I was like, <sighs> and I was like, got any other symptoms? Mm-mm, just don't, just feel tired. I need to go lay down. Dude likes to eat. And I'm like, you haven't started eating. I just, I just need to lay down. Let's take a check of temperature. Got 102 point something. I'm like, ah, all right. So last night, so he's going to lay on the couch. And he's going to sleep up there. And so last night, so one of the things that Ezra prays whenever he prays, and he's, as far as I know, he's never heard anybody pray this. He just, he's got some profound prayers. I've always told you all that since he's been a little boy. And then, he prayed the, he prays this all the time that God just let the world come back to the way it was supposed to be. Like that's that's one of the like that's the little kid's heart. Like I just want everything that I see around me to be like you want it to be, right? And so he's laying there, got a rag on his head, just don't feel good. And so I'm over there and I'm declaring things and I'm talking to the fever that it has no hold on him. And I'm just speaking to every sickness, disease, virus. I'm, I'm telling everything like, and I, and I'm quoting Psalm 91 that it will not come near my dwelling. Like this is my dwelling. He's part of my dwelling. It's not going to come near me. Um, no weapon formed against us or pressure. Like it's trying to attack. And this is one of the things that, um, like, because, I'm around sickness all day, every day at school. And so I'm sitting there. I'll come to the office, and there'll be like 32 of them feels like. Not really, but it feels like it whenever it's just like so much sickness in a little compact place. And I'm just like, bro. And so I just start going, thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Thank you for your covenant, right, that I'm in covenant with you. Thank you that by your stripes I've already been healed. And I just start doing that and just start clearing over myself, and I just keep on walking through. So one of the things that you know, if you've already had that thing, your body recognizes a virus, right? Like if you've already had it, your body recognizes it and says, oh, I remember you, virus. And it's already learned how to do what? Defeat it, right? And block it out. So it says, that's what 
that's called your immune system. And so what happens is, is that virus has attacked you and it says, all right, I recognize you, old boy. You ain't coming back again, right? Your immune system built up, right? And so I'm praying that last night over him. I said, I said, Father, I said, and I started declaring that it's like our bodies in covenant with you. It's like our bodies have already had those sicknesses and now knows how to recognize. And so our body recognizes everything there is that's going to come against us and knows how to kick it out. And this is the first time like I saw it just as soon as it come out of my mouth, he said, that's exactly right, Brian. It already has happened because I took on every sickness and disease, every virus, everything on the cross. And I'm in you and you are in me. Therefore, my body recognizes everything that tried to come against you. And it can't. Boy, I started, sh- I was in my living room, I was just, boom, 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 what's so good, Jesus? Like it's something about when he puts that word inside of you, that rhema word that says, boom, and you can, brother, you can live on it, you can shout on it, you can declare it from the rooftop that this is established. You know, Ezra, he probably could have come this morning. He ain't had no fever since after that. It broke right after that. This morning he woke up. He feeling fine. He up in there watching TV, enjoying himself, <laughs> laughing and cutting up like a new pair of scissors this morning. <laughs> That's the authority that we have in his word. We receive the word and plan it, believe it, and then I had to do what? Release it. Release it, right? Romans 3.27 says it is a law of faith that we live by now. Not the law that Moses brought. We live by a do law, the spiritual law of faith. Look at 1 Peter 1, 23. We're almost done. I've got about 45 more minutes. Just a second. First <laughs> Peter 1, 23. 1 Peter 1, 23. For through the eternal and living word of God, you have been born again. And look at it. This seed... That he planted where? Within you. Can that, ooh, that's so good. Can never be destroyed. But will live and grow inside of you, how long? Forever. So good, so good, so good. All right. So you think about that and think about what we've just been talking about. So often, we are so carnally minded. What I mean by that is, we live from the outside in. What we see, feel, touch, everything we experience on the outside, we let it affect our inside, right? We are spiritual beings. We're supposed to be living from the spirit which was within and let it affect our outside. When we understand that, we yield to that. That's a yielding, humility of yielding that we talked about last week. And that something takes place when that outer shell dies, that seed germinates. And it's able to allow it to grow. How far? Forever. Sandlot. Forever. Right? Galatians 5.16. Almost done. I'm going to say it over the next 10 verses that we're almost done, and that way it's subliminally in your mind you think we're almost done. Galatians 5, 
Galatians 5, 16. Let me emphasize this. As you, what? What's the word there? Yield to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit. Where's the Holy Spirit? In you. You will abandon the cravings of your self-life. So often we were taught in church, religion taught us, you got to try harder, you got to do more, and the more you're going to try harder, the more you're going to do, you finally going to get it right. But yet all of us that have tried that know that's a stinking lie. Just like Armani looked at uh, Casey the other night and said, you lie. <laughs> that's a whole different story. Can't tell that one in church. <laughs> Woo, that was a good one. That's how you're going to abandon those cravings, yielding to the spirit life. It's a yielding. It's a, it's a laying it down and receiving. You see that? Go on down to verse 18. Look what he says. But when you, he used that word again, what? Yield to the life of the spirit, you will no longer be living under the law. What is the law? Try harder. Do more. Prove yourself. What does Zechariah want to do? Prove it. What did Mary want to do? Oh, I see what you're saying. You explained it to me. Therefore, I receive it. It's two different things, right? It's a receiving. It's a believing. So let it be. Ponder on it. Receive it. Go over to chapter 6. Chapter 6, verse 7. God will never be mocked, for what you plant will always be the very thing that you harvest. The harvest you reap reveals the seed that you planted. If you plant the corrupt seeds of self-life into this natural realm, what I say we like to live from the outside in, that's what he's talking about, you can expect a harvest of corruption. If you plant the good, good seeds of the what? Spirit life that's within, you will reap beautiful fruits and grow from the everlasting life of the Spirit. Don't allow yourselves to be weary in planting good seeds. Zachariah, don't forget. We tried to abort the seed too early, guys. For the season of reaping the wonderful harvest you planted is coming. Is coming. Is coming. Say it with me. Is coming. Some of you have had promises that you've been wanting fulfilled, and you've been standing on the word, and you believe it, and you're getting weary. You're getting weary, but believe. Don't look at your circumstance on the outside and say it's too late. That's what Zechariah wanted to do. Know that your prayer is still before the Lord. And he is coming. He is coming. Ephesians, we're going to end, we're here. Ephesians 3. Verse 16. And I pray that he would unveil where? Within you. The unlimited riches of his glory. How did, how did we already discover through other, other verses? How is it within you? Planted in a seed form, right? The unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being. Again, we're living from the inside out. With his divine might and explosive power. Then, by, what's that word? Constantly using your faith. What do you just simply, what? 
belief. Stop doubting. The life of Christ will be released deep inside of you. And the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Then, when you do this, listen to what's going to happen when this lines up. Then you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences. The great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. I go to prepare a place for you that where I may be, there, may be, there you may be also. In my Father's house there are many, many, many dimensions and dwelling places. And they're just waiting for you to discover how deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. That's huge. That's huge. Never doubt. What does Zechariah do? God's so what did what did happen with Zechariah when he doubted? What does that mean? We can abort it by what? Yep. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. Not a portion, not a little bit of it. All this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. The only limit that God has is us not agreeing with it. Because he is established on this earth. This is how it's going to operate. He's going to give you the seed. And you've got to agree with the seed so that it is conceived. Conception takes place in the heart, right? In intimacy with a man and a woman, there has to be a yielding of, of the two, right? Like, they can live in the same house. They can even sleep in the same bed. But it's not going to conceive until there's a yielding takes place and the seed is planted. And then, what happens? Is it immediately? We see it the next day? No. Just ask Katie. She'll tell you. It didn't just happen. And the next day she had a baby. She was wishing she had that baby today, but... <laughs> and that's what we do. We want to jump ahead. Well, I prayed, Right? Like when I prayed that and declared that last night over Ezra, he was sweating. Right? And he was just... And I could have said, I don't see it. I don't see it. You know what I did? I shouted like, boy, I'm talking about we having a party. And I just walked... I didn't even say another word. I just walked on right to the bedroom and laid down. It's done. <laughs> when I woke up this morning, guess done. what? <laughs> it was done. And that was less than 12 hours. But sometimes a baby takes nine months. Sometimes it takes a couple of years because we don't understand what's going on in the spiritual realm for it to line up. We also don't understand the power of our words. 
and the agreements that we make with the enemy versus just believe the word of God. That's all he's been saying since the beginning. That's all he's been saying. I mean, Alex was talking about that Friday. Was, he got a brand new, you know, baby boy, and I said, you know, they scientists have proved now that on the eighth day, like in the Bible it said, circumcise your children on the eighth day, the boy. What does that mean? Why on the eighth day? Blah, blah, blah. You know, scientists have proven now that on the eighth day, there as the like if you do it on the ninth day or seventh day, on the eighth day, there's less blood flow for whatever reason to that area than any other day. And he said, ain't that something? That scientists are just now catching up with what the, I said this whole time. All he's asked us to do, just believe. But a lot of times we abort the seed by analytical thinking, and analytical thinking is not a fruit of the Spirit. Zechariah, when I analyze it, when simply all he's asked from the very beginning of all time, just believe. I'm come. Let's pray. Just want you to picture you are a spirit being. Forget about your outer flesh, what you look like, what you dress like, how you feel. You are a spiritual being. And he says he come to live on the inside of you. That if anyone would open the door, I will come. I'll sit with him. And in Christ, we've been looking at that. He's already, like the Israelite people, went around for 40 years. Jesus, 40 days. You don't have to do it for 40 seconds. Because all you have to do is believe. But so often we allow our outside environment to influence what we believe in our heart. And the enemy knows that because all the enemy wants you to do is yield to the wrong word so that you will say it out loud because he knows that's how authority is released. So I just want you to ask Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, reveal to me the word that you spoke to me that I have forgotten, that I've quit believing for, that you want to bring back to my remembrance today. Remember, it stayed before him, just didn't stay before you. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to decree and declare. I renounce all agreements that I've agreed with the enemy in Jesus' name. I renounce every one of them that come into agreement with the enemy that said this will not happen. And I say those words that I spoke out and that I agree with are now null and void. 
and I received the original word that you implanted to me. I agree with it, and I want to treasure it from this day forward. I want to bring it back in front of me. I treasure it. I look at it. I behold it because it's your word. And despite how many days it's going to take, whether it be in the next five minutes or the next five years, I will not lose my belief. Because I know all promises, all promises are yes. And so let it be. So be it in Christ Jesus. And he's in me and I'm in him. So I receive your word implanted to me. You know, I'm thinking about, just see Miranda back there. Doesn't seem like that long ago that we were, I was in Brent's living room with them and I went to pray over the news that they had found out. And um, I was just as heartbroken as I I just remember just weeping in Brent's living room. I was so disappointed and I was just crying and crying. Wasn't long right after that, she received a word from Madison. And she could have said, no, I'm so hurt by what happened, I don't even want to believe that word. She took that word, treasured it in her heart. And I'm telling you now, baby Jordan is such a joy and a blessing. I love her like she, I told Brent, like she's my own grandbaby. <laughs> and God wants to do the same thing in all of our lives. It may not be like what you expected, like you wanted. But he says, I'm able to do beyond, even greater than you can ask or think. He wants to redeem what was stolen by the enemy. He wants to restore double for your trouble. He wants to bring beauty from ashes. He's just asking you, won't you believe? So, Father, I pray in Jesus' name, so let it be. Amen. Love you guys.